All right. Uh, Matthew 2, chapter 2, verse 1. So uh, I'm, I'm all prayered up. I'm all prayered up. My 18-month-old son woke me up at 2 in the morning, and, um, and then went to bed around 4. So I'm, I'm all prayered up. I'm ready to go. So God's going to move today, all right? I'm just, God's going to move in a powerful way. You guys can thank Joel later. Um, you know, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, did you want to just take the service? And she was like, no, I have complete faith in you, baby. And, and I was like, maybe I should ask Brother Moss. And then I was like, no. Like, he, he, like, he preached in a typhoon, you know, struggling with listeria and all kinds of diseases, and he still preached. And he's like, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to preach the word of God. So I'm going to, uh, that's what's going to happen here today. I'm going to go ahead and preach the word of God. Um, so chapter 2, verse 1. Um, and here, of course, the first chapter was talking about the genealogy of Jesus. And we kind of, uh, Brother Moss beautifully uh, articulated that last Sunday about the genealogy and how Jesus is the Messiah. And here we get to chapter 2, uh, verse 1. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, because he had to go back to Bethlehem, his family did, for a census. And in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. These wise men from the east, um, I think they were Persian, but that's uh, me being biased. Um, the most likely they might have been uh, Arabian, um, and saying, where is the one who is uh, born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So they, they're going to Jerusalem because it's the capital. Because when a king is born, you go to the capital and you go to the palace. But I love it. They go to the palace and they don't find the king there. The king is nowhere in the palace. Um, and, and when King Herod, Herod hears this, he's alarmed, and all of Jerusalem is alarmed with him. So they don't like the idea that, that there is a new king coming, this new Messiah is coming. So they're all freaking out. Everybody's freaking out. And now watch this. Watch verse 4. After assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born. So he says, all right, guys, you religious law, you scholars, I want you guys to go find out in the scriptures, where is this king supposed to be born, this Messiah? Because obviously, all these Jews have missed it, except these Gentile wise men. Now, there's, there's something there, right? These people, these outsiders who don't know anything about God, who just follow stars, had a clear understanding that something important was born today, and they had to be part of it, and they brought gifts to give worship and homage to this new king. Verse 5, and in Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet. Now watch this. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. Of course, he's quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2 or 3. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So based on that prophecy, they were able to see that the new Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Amen. Amen. And just for a little while this morning, I want to go ahead and talk about run, run, Rudolph. Now stick with me. Run, run, Rudolph. Out of all the reindeers, you know you are the mastermind. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't too far behind. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's got to make it to town. Santa, make him hurry. Tell him, take the freeway down. 
run, run, Rudolph, because I'm feeling like a merry-go-round, said Santa to a boy, what have you been longing for? All I want for Christmas is a rockin' guitar. Run, run, Rudolph, Santa has to make it to town. Santa, make him hurry, tell him, take the freeway down. Run, run, Rudolph, ran like a merry-go-round. And it says, said to Santa to a little girl child, what would you please you most to get? A little baby doll that can cry, sleep, drink, and wet. And then away went Rudolph, whizzing like a saber jet. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to sing it because then there's copyright laws. Run, run, Rudolph, Santa's got to make it to town. Santa, make him hurry, tell him take the freeway down. Run, run, Rudolph, I'm reeling like a merry-go-round. Amen. So Johnny Marks wrote, Run, Rudolph, Run. Also wrote the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was popularized by Chuck Berry, a musical giant back in the 1950s. The song is telling Rudolph to hurry up and deliver all the toys to all the good boys and girls. Hurry up, Rudolph, bring my electric guitar. Also bring my baby doll. Hurry up, bring us all our toys. Hurry up, I just can't wait any longer. It's a song that reminds listeners that they should not have to wait for their Christmas gifts. And I've literally have heard every single version of the song. But the song itself is a reminder. They should get their stuff now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Quickly, quickly, quickly. And what is important is this anticipation of being able to open up your gifts and finally be united with the toy of your dreams, whether that toy is some Barbies or a car or some video games or some type of phone or socks or our all-time favorite underwear. Or, I mean, we all look forward to this. And with this anticipation, we open up our gifts. Run, run, Rudolph. Hurry, hurry, Rudolph. Bring us, bring us our gifts. It's interesting, in Micah 5.2, it talks about this coming Messiah. Since the fall of humanity back in Genesis, God and man were unable to communion. Communication with God was severed, and once what was a close and personal relationship with God had become broken, and humanity had become isolated from God. And when the first man and woman were tossed from the Garden of Eden, a promise was given to them that day that there would come someone that would redeem them back to their creator. And we don't know exactly how many centuries humanity had to wait until they were finally able to have communion with God. The anticipation of redemption, the anticipation of right relationship with God and humanity, the anticipation of being redirected to the promised path that God has intended for you to live, the anticipation of telling them death goodbye and welcoming eternity with him. This anticipation is felt around this time for the gifts. But the first Christmas it was felt not for the gifts for one another, but that we were receiving that ultimate gift a path forward with God. During the first century, there was a built-up. Everybody was talking about the Messiah. Writers were penning all kinds of things. It's called the intertestamental period. And there's all kinds of literature around this time. And everything evolves around this Messiah that's coming. They have their own versions. And sometimes we forget and we take for granted the open access that we have with God and how easily we can communicate with him. We take that for granted. It wasn't always guaranteed. 
you had to purchase the right offering to go to worship. And if you couldn't afford the right kind of burnt offering, then you'd have no access to God. This demand and the need for a Messiah continues to build up and continues to build up and anticipation continues to build up. And then finally, the Messiah shows up and they all panic. I love it that God sends Gentiles to bring his gifts. The people celebrating the first Christmas were a bunch of foreigners who saw signs of the coming king. Men from the east who studied the stars were able to see the signs and see someone important was coming, someone like a king, hence why they ended up in Herod's palace. What could be more important than a king that's coming? They came because they saw the star. They had no idea that there was a prophecy foretelling of a coming king, a very important king. And watch this. This is the part I love about this prophecy. A very important king who's going to rule like a shepherd. Now here's the contrast. Here's King Herod, this this terrible, terrible, terrible guy who kills his own family because they're too popular. If you got too popular, good luck. You're going to end up being dead. And we have, we have leaders like that in our world today. <laughs> this isn't something new. And here's this contrast, this, this, this king that's coming, this Messiah, who's going to rule like a shepherd. Because ultimately, that's who God is. He's the true shepherd. And he wants to shepherd you. He's going to lead like a shepherd. He's going to take care of you like a shepherd. And the best way we can understand what that means, the best way we understand what does it mean to be a shepherd, and the best way to understand words and terminology in the Bible is we have to let the Bible define what that means. And so, of course, one of the greatest passages that we can go to where it talks about a shepherd is Psalm 23, a psalm of David. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. I always feel convicted when I read that because I feel I lack everything. Whenever I go to the mall, I wish I had more. It's so funny. My kids, they were like, they were so excited about opening up presents. They're already talking about next Christmas. (laughs) They haven't even played their toys yet. They're like, for next Christmas, this is what we need. All right? I need you to make this happen. Because it's, you know, it's just, you just swipe that card, right? That's all it is, right? It's just some random card. You just swipe and get it. So, but I lack nothing. Because when you have God as your shepherd, you see that your life is full of abundance. You don't need things to feel complete in God. I lack nothing. I have some things that cannot be purchased. And that's what this time is, is to recognize. That's why we do the Christmas giving service. It's a reminder to get us out of the hustle and bustle and just remind us that the most important thing is Jesus. The most important thing is that he came. Yes, I'm not, yeah, we're not sure if he came around Christmas time, but we still celebrate him anyway. He came. We don't even know the exact day he came. We don't even know the exact year he came. We can guess about that. But he came. That's that's the one thing I can tell you. He came, and he came for us. 
And he came to give us open access to him. And he came to be a shepherd in our life. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures and he leads me to refreshing water. Because when he is the shepherd in your life, he will refresh you. He will take you to places that are green. He will take you to places that you can prosper. Places where you can grow. He restores my strength. And he leads me down right paths. Not the wrong paths. The right paths. If what you're doing is taking you away from the people of God, that's not the right path. You can't have salvation on your own. You need a church to be a part of. A body of Christ. You need to be with the people of God. That's how you make it to heaven. If you read the Bible, that's what it talks about the entire time. Is we need to be connected to a body. It's so critical. And here we see he takes him to the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, and if we really want to translate that in Hebrew, it is complete darkness, total darkness, complete darkness, I will fear no danger. Why do you not fear danger? Because you have the true shepherd in your life. Because he leads like a shepherd. He's coming, this Messiah, this Messiah that everybody thought was just going to go ahead and get a sword and start killing people left and right. He didn't do that. He didn't want to kill people. He came to save them. He didn't came to shoot anybody down. He came to save them. He's not trying to put people away and execute people. He's trying to save and redeem people's hearts. That's a very completely different message than some of the literature that was going around this time. It was about this warrior king, this warrior Messiah who's just going to come and just destroy everything. And that's not what happened. And he wasn't even in the palace. It was outside. Without a place. Completely contrary to what we would think as a leader. For even though I walk, I fear no angel. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they reassure me. This isn't going to be like he's bunking you. He's protecting you. He's protecting you from whatever might be coming your way. He's protecting you, making sure that you stay on the right path. He's protecting you to make sure that you will ultimately keep him close. Because a shepherd never abandons anyone. A shepherd always goes after that one. And we see the parables that Jesus talks about. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. That's the God that you serve. He's always fighting for you. Now watch this five. For you prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. So he's, there's a feast that's going to be coming. This great Christmas feast that's going to come. And we're going to go ahead and be with Jesus. And you refresh my head with oil and my cup is completely full. There is not even an inch left that you, you just completely fool it up to the top. My cup is full. I lack nothing. Now watch this. This is amazing. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days. All my days. This word pursue in Hebrew, it's, uh, it's redach. Redach. 
Radaf. And it's and it's and it's this this faithfulness and goodness, Tove Chasad, and this goodness and this this Radaf, this pursuit, this chase. It's it's not just it's not he's casually pursuing you with goodness and faithfulness. No, this is an aggressive, aggressive pursuit. If we read the Hebrew Bible, the, usually this term is used for enemies coming after you. The enemies were lurking and they were raiding to go ahead and they were coming after you. That's how this word is used in the Hebrew Bible. It's, it's this, 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 they're coming aggressively against you. They're going to come against you and, and take care of you. You better watch out. They're running after you. And I'm, it's funny that that God takes this word that talks about how your enemy is going to pursue you aggressively, and he uses it and says, by the way, goodness and faithfulness are going to aggressively pursue you. So believe it or not, something is chasing you. It's the goodness and the faithfulness of God. It's running towards you. You thought it was Rudolph running towards you, but it's way faster than Rudolph, my dear brothers and sisters. It's way faster than this Santa. He is coming to you with goodness and faithfulness. He is on your side. He will not abandon you or forsake you. He always has good plans for you. He has plans to prosper you, plans to make you whole, and he's going to take you to green pastures. But we have to stay close to the shepherd. Unrelenting, aggressively pursuing you. This God I serve is a shepherd, and shepherds don't forget their sheep. You don't realize this, but he's always after you. He's always pursuing you. He's always chasing you. He's doing everything he can to make sure that you recognize him. With his goodness and his faithfulness. This isn't, he's just coming out to get you. No, no, he has good plans for you. We write people off left and right, but not this Jesus. He doesn't write people off because a shepherd doesn't just write off his sheep. No matter how far they go, no matter where they end up, he's always reaching. He's willing to abandon the 99 for that one. That's the God I serve. Run, run, Rudolph. Run, run, Rudolph. You are being chased and pursued by faithfulness and the goodness of God. If the musicians could come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to rule his people like a shepherd. He's not going to be a, a king, a warrior king. There are time will come where he will be a warrior king. And Revelation talks about that. There will come a time when he will come triumphantly. That's not this time. He's trying to rule his people like a shepherd. Patient, watching, knows exactly where their sheep are. And he is reaching. He's pursuing you with his goodness. He's pursuing you with his faithfulness. He has not forsaken you. And he has not forgotten you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
It's not an accident you happen to be here this morning. Believe it or not, that was God who was directing your paths. He's always reaching. He's always reaching. He's trying to make what was wronged, he's trying to make it right. He wants to have a relationship with you. And what that looks like is up to you. You can limit him, and you have complete power to do that. Because at the end of the day, you have the choice. Or you can open yourself up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come and adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Whether you want to pray in these altars or you want to pray in your pew, why don't you get a hold of this Messiah, the one that came for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're aggressively pursuing me, Lord. You are chasing me with your goodness, Jesus. You are chasing me with your faithfulness, Lord God. Lord, you want to lead me, God, to green pastures, Jesus. You want to take me to still waters, Lord God. Oh, I pray for peace in my heart, Jesus. I pray peace in my relationship, God. I pray peace in my family's life, Lord God. Lord, I'm in a valley of decision, Jesus. I pray for your voice, God, to lead me to the right path, Jesus. Let your voice, God, that voice, Lord, that the sheep trust Jesus, let that true shepherd voice, Lord. God, I pray that it let it pierce all other voices. I pray, Lord, let it pierce every other voice, Jesus, and let it speak directly to me, God. What do you want me to do, Jesus? Here are my options, Lord God. This is where I am, God. You direct my path, God. You direct it, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you run for me, Lord God. You're running for me, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for giving me the ultimate gift, Lord, that first Christmas, Jesus. Away, God, back to you, Jesus. 